Amen to that. Um, Lord, we ask now that as we open your word, you will indeed call us up higher into your heart and your ways and deeper into your wisdom and understanding. We want to walk on the narrow path of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, uh, my name is Greg DeMay, one of the pastors here with Reverend Klein. Over the last month, um, we have been recommending a little spiritual experiment called Try Praying. been trying to give out these little booklets that offer uh, a way to simply try on the practice of praying for a week at a time, and tons of folks around here have done that. If you have one of these books, and if it has kind of helped you open up, to God, an awesome thing to do with this is not to let it sit on your bookshelf, but hey, if you have a neighbor, if you have somebody you work with who's spiritually curious, just like hand it to him and be like, hey, if you want to try this for a week, I'd love to talk to you about it and see what shifts or changes in your life. The whole idea behind this book is to use it and then use it. What did I say? Use it and then use it and then abuse it. No, use it. And lose it. Thank you. All right. So it's Labor Day, right? Labor Day weekend. So today there's going to be kind of a combo of work and prayer. Um, There has been some great prayer stories as a result of kind of some of the prayers that have been offered in the last month around here. Just on Friday, a friend was praying about kind of an intense decision about school, about education, And as this person literally was shooting up a help prayer, ding, the phone gets, my phone just got texted, actually. Here we go. Uh, No, I know. The phone gets texted revealing you have this new scholarship. Like, at that very moment. So here's the point. Not if you pray God will make money rain down from heaven on you in the form of scholarships or paying all your bills. But just what are the odds that in God's timing, the very moment where you're offering this intense prayer, your phone buzzes and something shifts in your life? Like, that's how it works with God. The goal of praying is not just to ask God for every favor in the universe. If you've picked up that message, that is not the message we're laying down. Like, God is not some magical genie that you just ask for more stuff, and then because we pray, more of that happens in your life. One wise person once put it this way. When I pray, I notice coincidences all over my life about how God is speaking to me and working and breaking through. And when I don't pray, there's much fewer coincidences. Like prayer is not a magic genie relationship with God. It's simply openness to the creator of the universe. And when that channel is open, like hold on. Because amazing things happen when your heart is open to God's heart. Today, I have one word from the Bible for you. It's going to pop up in two different passages, and it is the word, whatever. Okay? Whatever. You might be saying that already at the beginning of this message. All right? This is a word that is a favorite word of adolescents and teenagers everywhere. Don't mean to pick on you guys, but I'm going to pick on you guys for a second. Certainly, this was one of my favorite teenage words. My mom would call upstairs to my room, Honey, we're going to have dinner at 5.30. Dad is grilling some hamburgers, and I made some fresh corn on the cob. And I'd be like, whatever. (laughs) 
I'll come down when I want to. Did anybody else ever do this? Sunday morning was like one of my favorite times. My mom would like knock on the door of my room. Greg, wake up. It's time to take a shower and get ready for church. I'm like, ugh, whatever. I'm a child of the 80s. Like, do any of you remember the 80s? Like, there's a special tone of voice that came from the, the San Fernando Valley, the Valley Girls, right? Whatever. <laughs> whatever is a great word for subtly expressing that we really don't care, right? It is the word of apathy that we feel put upon, that somebody like our parent or our boss is impinging on our God-given freedom. Thank you very much. Whatever. By the way, now that I'm a grown-up, I wish I had a time machine and could go back and erase every single one of those whatevers to my parents. Like, literally, if somebody knocked on the door of my room now and was like, hey, we're grilling some hamburgers and made some corn on the cob, I'd be like, seriously? Oh, like, thank you. Awesome. Okay. Just because we're all sinners and we all have this apathetic thing, I would like you to give your best whatever impression of somebody who really doesn't care. Okay? Preferably with a little an eyeball roll. Okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Whatever. All right. There are a few of those whatevers in the Bible, but that is not generally God's way with whatever. God's way with whatever is exactly the polar opposite of the not caring that we just expressed. God's whatever is an extraordinary positive whatever. This is much more rare in human life, but occasionally it happens. Pretend for a moment that you have a wealthy uncle. Okay, and this uncle, you're at a little Labor Day gathering tomorrow, and he's like, hey, I got some extra money. I know, like, you're struggling with bills and stuff because, like, you just graduated from college. Like, I'd like to give you $2,000 to either, like, pay against your college debt or, like, pay some of your bills. Like, what would you rather apply it to? And you'd be like, whatever. Like, either of those is great. Or a friend comes to you and is like, hey, I'd love to take you out for lunch. Do you want to go to Chick-fil-A or Portillo's? And you love both of these. So you're like, whatever, let's go. Thank you. Have you ever had this whatever experience? Or a friend is like, hey, I got baseball tickets this weekend. We can either go to the Sox on Friday night or the Cubs on Saturday night. And you're like, totally Saturday night. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Some of you just got wrecked. <laughs> All right. So these positive whatevers mean, like, either way is 100% good. Both of these things are great. We can't miss. We can't go wrong with any of these options. Whatever. It's all good. This is the way of God's whatever. Generally. All right, shall we practice this one? Someone offers you two great options and you respond on the count of three. One, two, three. Whatever. Yes, whatever. So we are going to take a look at some whatevers in the book of Philippians, just one verse. And in the book of Colossians, both from the Apostle Paul. 
These are not the eyeball rolling kind of whatevers that label everything as lame or ridiculous. These are the flexible, freedom giving in Jesus' name, there's no way to go wrong, whatevers. So we heard this one during the kids' message. Finally, brothers and sisters, if you would say the words, whatever is true, is noble, positive, is right, is pure, is lovely, is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about it. Exactly. Think about it means consider. Hang out with it. If I can use this spiritually weighty word, meditate on it. Just like linger with these good things. Just because you think about something, right, it's happening, it's invisible, just because you, it's just happening in your brain doesn't mean it is not powerful. Usually the things that we are considering, lingering with, meditating on, repeating over and over in our brains, those are the very things that end up leaking out in our words and leaking out in our actions and into reality. By the way, this word meditation, like it presumes like a little quiet time and thought, it can be a scary word. Literally, there is a recent study of University of Virginia students, and when given the option of sitting quietly with their thoughts for 15 minutes or being zapped with a significant voltage of electricity multiple times and randomly for 15 minutes, more than half the students choose the electricity versus the quiet meditative thoughts for 15 minutes. That doesn't make me happy. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like, would anybody prefer the electricity? <laughs> right? Because like 15 minutes of silence can be hard, but God's word here is inviting us to say like, of all the good things in your life, it is a pretty fine idea, friends, just to let your mind wander over the good and godly things that are happening in and around your life. Okay, so I want to be concrete about this for, an exa- for a minute because it's one thing to be like, okay, I'll, I'll hang out and think about righteousness for 15 minutes, right? Like, how does a person actually do this? So if you think meditation is hard, I can guarantee you already meditate if you ever worry or are anxious. Does anybody have a gift for being able to worry or be anxious about the future or bad possible outcomes, (laughs) right? We are all naturally very good at this. If you have that ability, that same skill that we apply to worry and which makes us anxious is the same skill that the Bible is inviting us to apply to God himself. Anxiety is one of the devil's favorite tools And the crazy thing about anxiety is the more we feed it, the more thought we give it, the more effort and energy we give anxiety, it is just happy to take whatever we give it. Have you ever noticed this? Like, you cannot give worry too much energy that is like, enough already, I'm full. Like, whatever you give worry, it will be just like, thank you, more please. Faith, hope, and love are God's tools. And if we can find a way to meditate in ways that put us in that direction, they are equally have an insatiable appetite if you want more of those things. Okay. Let me pretend for an example that you are a college student. Okay? 
You've just started college. This is true of tons of kids in our community. Most of them aren't here anymore. Here would be a practical way to meditate on the whatevers if you're a college student. Just beginning, super worried you're going to flunk out, your, college, your classes are going to be too hard. What if you sat on the end of your bed for five minutes and just pictured yourself finishing? Like, that would be a good outcome, right? That would be a noble accomplishment. Like, picture yourself a year out, four years out, like literally happily receiving that diploma. See yourself over the course of the next year being a good friend. Again, for this hypothetical college student, maybe you've already met your roommate. Picture yourself like having meals with this roommate, sharing something significant about yourself. See yourself thinking about other people, maybe a classmate, maybe someone else down the hall. Picture yourself talking to a teacher or professor and engaging them in a really lively conversation about something that really matters to you. Imagine yourself, college student, like being disciplined enough not only to get your schoolwork done, but to actually have margin in your life to care about someone who's struggling. Like that would be a praiseworthy outcome. Think of all the good gifts that people have shared with you that made it possible for you to get to college in the first place. Picture yourself after college as someone who's now been trained or at least beginning to be educated in a way that you're able to make a significant contribution to the community in which you find yourself. Like, Pastor Greg, that sounds a lot like goal setting. Like, yeah, kind of. Meditating on maybe your God-given future or a path that brings your gifts and abilities uh, to bear in a way that manifests it in the world that you're doing good and influential things. Like, if you want to call that goal setting, awesome. I would call that thinking about whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is pure. Conversely, let's say that in your life in the past week, you had a really nasty argument with somebody. A fine thing to do is to sit on the end of your bed for 10 minutes and think about what went wrong and the role that you personally played in it. Were you angry? Were you short-tempered? Were you judgmental? Did something come out of your mouth that you don't actually mean that you wish you could reel in? And then let the Holy Spirit correct you. And then if the Holy Spirit corrects you, commit to going back to the person that maybe you said this to or went sideways or that you expressed something that was ugly instead of beautiful, that was false instead of true, that was ignoble instead of noble. And now that the Holy Spirit has corrected you, you can say you're sorry and make it right just for your part. Meditation is not about listing someone else's faults. Meditation is about thinking about your own reality and then letting these qualities that Jesus has totally perfectly wash over you. Like, does that sound hard? That is super hard. Nobody ever said meditation would be easy. In your worship folder today, there's this alarmingly yellow piece of paper. On one side, it says prayer and meditation. And then it says the word whatever. And then there is a blank. 
If anything I just said in trying to make this concrete from God's word is like, you know what? I need to sit on the end of my bed or in a comfy chair and think about this for 10 or 15 minutes. Like, scribble that down before it evaporates and then take it home and put this in a place where you can actually follow God's marching orders for you and commune with his spirit. This is the act of prayer, right? Praying isn't just, God, give me some more of this. God, please fix that. Like, this is a deep and significant form of prayer. Whatever in Jesus' name applies not only to meditation and prayer, but also to your day-to-day work. Over the summer, we spent like a month and a half teaching and preaching about God's plan for a six-to-one rhythm in life. Uh, Mostly it was about the Sabbath, this one day that is set aside for worship, rest, and play, and how that is actually today. The Sabbath day is the first day of the week, and receiving the gift of the Sabbath gives us the energy and the spiritual power to then live for the next six days with uh, some courage. So in these six days, there's a way to lean into God's whatever as well. Uh, At the risk of boring you and making you say whatever, one more time, here's a short Latin phrase, ora et labora. Pastor Bert is the only person I polled this week who actually knew what this meant. So this little three-word phrase has been like one of the greatest hits of Christianity for the last 1,500 years. And I repeat it to you this morning just as a way of trying to keep this hit going for a little longer, even though none of us are going to speak Latin anymore. Ora et labora means pray and work. It's a pretty great summary of the Sabbath rhythm dedicate one day to Sabbath and then six days to hard work. This repeated rhythm and healthy tension between openness and communication to God and letting God do it, and then taking up the marching orders that he gives us and putting ourselves all in in whatever work he's put forward to us. I saw a dude in the last month, this is actually an older guy, this is not his tattoos, Uh, I had to Google around to find somebody else with these tattoos, but literally on his left and right arm, Aura et labora. I have never been highly tempted to get a tattoo myself. But after seeing this guy, I was like, you know, if I ever got one, this would be a pretty great one for like a follower of Jesus to have. I'm not telling anybody to get a tattoo. But literally, the reminder that our life and a pretty great summary of Jesus' life is prayer and work, openness to God, and then obedience hearing God, talking to God, and then watching it happen in the world. One more verse for you this morning from Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, here's the action, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, worshiping together on Sunday is not the only thing that we do in Jesus' name. Worshiping together and singing great songs on Sunday is not the only way that we express thanks to God the Father. In fact, in Colossians 3.17, God uses again this big whatever to stretch our spirits and imaginations that everything about us, everything Monday through Saturday, about us can be connected to Jesus. Everything about our little lives can be enmeshed in his death 
and resurrection. There is great honor and freedom that God intends to give you in this whatever. There is so much freedom in this verse that it means there is no one right job for you. Has anybody had more than one job in their career? <laughs> Pretty much everybody, okay? There's so much freedom in this verse that if you're a college student, it means you can change majors and still be in the will of God. This verse teaches that if you start something, if you initiate it in Jesus' name, and if your target in pursuing that activity is God's glory and connecting to God, whatever. Like, it's all good. If you start it in Jesus' name, and if you are fixed on the target of God's glory, whatever. Your work matters very, very much. Whether you are a student, whether you are a professor, whether you are a journeyman plumber, like, your work matters very much. The older I get, the more I am becoming convinced uh, the vast majority of us um, really struggle with what Kara was communicating to our kids, that we actually have value and matter in God's lives, in God's eyes in particular. Here's a sign of this. This is from uh, a recent medical journal. Like, say we all got a prescription today. One-third of us, even though a doctor wrote us a prescription for our health and wellness, one-third of us would not fill that prescription. Of the remaining, remaining two-thirds of us that actually filled that prescription, only 50% of those people, once you have it, would actually take it according with the frequency and regularity of what the doctor prescribed. What's up with that? So, if your pet gets a prescription from a veterinarian, the percentages go way, way, way up. It's almost as if we care more about the health and well-being of our pets than we do about the health and well-being of ourselves. Like, God bless the pets, right? Like, love your dog, love your cat, feed your snake. Like, we have a few pet snakes around here. Like, doesn't that strike you as odd? And God is saying to us in these whatevers, whatever you are doing, Monday through Saturday, it matters so very much to me, God says, to my heart, that I've made you able to do this, able to pursue this, able to share this. It matters so very much. It's your life that God has given you. It's, it's yours. It's your story in freedom in Christ. You get to live it out. Now, I've been a pastor for the last 25 years. Quite frankly, uh, like if my life had gone a different way, I think I could be equally free in Christ to be a musician. I could be equally free in Christ to be a teacher. And if someday I'm one of those things, if God tells me that that's what I'm supposed to do next, I will do that. Because if I initiate something in Jesus' name and the target is God's glory, 
then whatever. Like, it is all good. It is so good. On the flip side of this yellow piece of paper, there is a side that says work and labor. This doesn't mean necessarily what you get paid for, but whatever work God has for you, like being a grandparent, if that's your full-time gig right now, being a parent, if it's something else, like that all totally counts, whatever. If it would do you some good to put something very definitive and concrete on this paper, like take it home and then use both of these sides, like God, I know you're asking me to go all in and do everything I can on this particular work. And now... Let me think about all of these noble qualities and how that might flow through Monday through Saturday. Whatever. In conclusion, imagine that someday you show up at the gates of paradise. This isn't going to be one of those St. Peter jokes, by the way. You show up to the gates of paradise and Jesus himself is there to greet you. You are still in your current form. You are not yet your new, resurrected, glorified self, okay? You're just you. You're there at the gates, and Jesus asks you, how shall we get started? Would you like me to heal your body or to mend your broken character? I would say, like, whatever. <laughs> like, let's go. I'm ready. What if Jesus said, would you like to come sit at my table or would you like to walk beside me for a while? Is there a bad answer? You're like, whatever, Lord. Like, let's go. What if Jesus said, would you like to go deeper in wisdom and understanding or would you like to go wider in love? Yes, whatever. (laughs) Both, please. Yes. We have ahead of us, friends, a forever, an eternity of God's whatever to look forward to. And we get to conclude this worship service with a little preview, a little foretaste of the goodness that God has in his goodwill for us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the gift of our freedom. And we ask that as free people, you will raise our thoughts, our prayers, and meditations so that we can linger on what connects us to you. And we desire daily, Lord, that our work would give glory to you, that it would be helpful to those around us and give us happiness and satisfaction. And we thank you now, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, that your work gave glory to God, that your work has helped us to find salvation and wholeness, and that your work gave eternal joy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.